1: it going everybody this is colin cook with
2: hey everyone it's elliot
1: and this is episode number 23 where we have a special guest mr stephen bargo and we are going to speak to him about his triathlon career and uh go over he and i's races at iron
0: man louisville so hello stephen hey colin hey elliot thanks for having me
2: nice to have you
0: uh, good deal. So why don't you tell us a little, about, a little, a little bit about yourself, Steve? Yeah. Um, so I uh, live in New Hampshire with Colin. Um, married uh, to my wife, Katie. i um, been doing triathlons now for about nine, ten years or so. I have a background in cross-country skiing, and it kind of translated pretty well. Just always been doing endurance sports. So the last I'd say probably the last four or five years been taking uh, triathlon a, a lot more seriously and trying to uh, continuously improve and closer and closer to the uh, the top of the uh, race sheets. There you go. So Good we deal. all started
2: around the same time.
0: Yeah,
1: pretty like, much. Yeah, I think we got a year. Uh, he a has year a year on so us. Yeah, or two on Steve, but he's uh, been doing endurance stuff for a while. Um so Steve let's let's hear a little bit more about your uh your background. So um you mentioned skiing, tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, so my parents put me on skis when I was probably like 3 or 4 years old and uh basically throughout high school skiing was my uh well, skiing and soccer were my kind of two main sports. Um, Skied for my high school, Mount Anthony. Uh, we won, I think, three out of four state championships uh, when I was in high school, so that was pretty awesome. And then I raced in college at St. Lawrence University, uh, D1, for four years. And at that point, that's where I met my roommate who was a swimmer, and that kind of began my uh, transition to triathlons after school. Uh, it's harder to ski as much now that. We're out in the working world here, and it's dark at five o'clock, four thirty. Um, finding trails and and stuff's just a lot less feasible than it is to you know set a bike up or in the in the basement or something like that.
1: True, true. So, what uh, what drew you to to multisport?
0: Yeah, I kind of alluded to it a little bit there. Um, so. I always had a little bit of, you know, biking and running as cross training for skiing. But as I mentioned, my college roommate was a swimmer and he had actually done a triathlon the summer before college. And he lived in Lake George. I lived over in the Bennington, Vermont area. So they're pretty close to each other. And the race was kind of right between where we both lived. And so after freshman year, he uh, bet me that he could beat me in this triathlon and I had seen him run and bike before and granted I had no idea how to swim but I was pretty confident that uh, either way I would I would be able to to beat him (laughs) and what happened in the first one so again I didn't really know how to swim Uh, I took my goggles off in the middle of the swim because they got foggy which (laughs) uh, turns out is a worse idea than just leaving foggy goggles on I think I swam like 33 minutes for a Olympic distance just in triathlon shorts, I think. I didn't have a wetsuit or anything like that. Um, But then I somehow passed him at like mile five in the bike, even though he swam like 12 minutes faster than I did. I'm like, dude, what have you been doing? Apparently, he took like 10 minutes in transition. So um, yeah, I ended up beating him by quite a bit. (laughs) Nice.
2: Nice. So you're natural.
0: I guess, uh, it's also ironically the last triathlon that he ever did. So uh, <laughs> I maybe discouraged him a little bit too much, but yeah, from there, it kind of just, um, blossomed a little bit. I think the next year it was, I did my first half Ironman, which was the Tupper Lake Tin Man. Um, and I did a couple like every summer I did Tupper Lake Tin Man, I think two or three times Did Timberman a couple times. And then the year after I graduated from college, I did um, Ironman Lake Placid for the first time. Yeah, you like that one, don't you? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Colin, Colin knows I like Lake Placid quite a bit. So I lived there the year after school. Um, so I have a lot of friends there, which makes it convenient. I know the area really well. Um, it's really nice there, especially in, in the summertime. It can definitely get uh, pretty, uh, pretty chilly. Um, like right now, it's snowing there probably how many times have you done that race uh the full i've done three times but i am signed up for next year because i only do the same races over and over again apparently
2: <laughs> that's all i am too
0: Both <laughs> <laughs> well, do whack jobs don't like to mix it up <laughs> but uh and
1: so how many ironmans have you done total Steve?
0: Uh, what is it now? Like five and like nine eighths or something, or like eight ninths or something like that after Louisville, uh, a couple weeks ago. But so, yeah, <laughs> technically six. Yeah. I'm going to go with six there. Come on. Don't discredit <laughs> us enough. <laughs> we got the <this> job done.
1: <laughs> nice. So yeah. So you've done Lake Placid three times, Louisville twice and yep. then,
0: uh, some other race too, right? Yeah. I did Kona back in 2015. So, um, Again, very consistent here because I'm doing Lake Placid and Kona again next year. So, again, really going outside the box here.
2: Hey, it's working for you, apparently.
0: <laughs> Good deal.
1: And so uh, what, what is the, the secret to your success, you feel, or why you think you've been uh, successful in triathlon? Uh,
0: that's a tough question. Um, I, I don't know. I think probably one of the biggest factors in triathlon is uh, – you're in. You're. It's a sport that you are in it for the long run. If you, you know, really want to be successful, um, you definitely can see big improvements from year to year, especially when you're first starting. But I think it takes uh, consistency over the period of years to really continue to like hone your craft, get better, uh, learn from previous races, especially in the longer races. So, you know, with my background in skiing and now triathlon i feel like i've been doing endurance sports for like 20 years so i think the motivation uh, to do it and that helps that i really enjoy being outside and exercising and pushing myself gotcha
2: so is yeah, that what yeah. entices you most about doing ironmans or long course racing
0: yeah i don't know i'm, I'm um i guess also i'd say I'm, I'm, I'm better the longer the distance typically um so i think that that helps there's something weird about an Ironman like build where you're like halfway through it and you're like, man, I'm really tired. Like, why, why am I doing this? But then, you come to race day and like the week of race day and just being in what I call like Ironman shape just feels like really good. It's a weird way to describe it, but it's just like you just feel sort of like a superhero. Sort of, <laughs> I don't know how to describe yeah, yeah. it. That's a good taper. It sounds like to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've, I think we've uh, honed that in pretty well. Good deal. Cool. And so you mentioned uh, your wife, Katie.
0: Um, what else you got for uh, loved ones? Um, so yeah, here in New Hampshire, it's uh, myself and my wife, Katie, and my dog, Izzy. Um, pretty small families actually on both sides. So both our families grew up in Vermont. My parents, uh, my mom and dad live in Bennington, Vermont, which is on the south, uh, um, western side of the state between kind of like on the border of New York and mass. And my brother also lives there, uh, in the same area. And, um, Katie's parents live up in the Mount Pelier area, uh, Vermont, again, Her brother kind of lives halfway between here and there. Um, And then I have an an aunt who spends her time between California and um, uh, Maine and my aunt and cousin together. So yeah, we have a pretty small family, which is good and bad in some ways, but it helps. uh, We're all pretty close, so that's nice.
1: Yeah.
0: And what do you do for work? Yeah, I work in finance at uh, Fidelity Investments down in Nashua, so it's a pretty convenient uh, commute and so forth here.
2: So, you have a convenient commute and no kids. That is your secret to success.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. We were joking about that with Colin earlier. As I'm sure most people know, Colin has uh, four kids going on 30, I think, kids total, it uh, feels like. Um, <laughs> but yes, no kids right now, um, short commute, and um, an understanding wife um, who supports me in um, my triathlon career, if you want to call it a career and is a solid runner herself, right? Yeah. So she's done Boston, I think two or three times and she qualified and we're both going to be running Boston in uh, the spring. So, um, yeah, yeah. She's uh, definitely quite the runner herself. And do you think
1: that the fact that she's an athlete herself helps to relate and helps to
0: allow you to do what you do? Yeah, definitely. I think especially in the – I think it's most helpful when something doesn't go well, it, it be it a race or a workout, probably more specifically a race because only, I only race probably six, seven times a year. So if I don't have a great race, it's like you put a lot of time in. Um, but So she knows what it's like to put the time in and the effort in and then not have something go uh, maybe the, the way it's supposed to go. Or kind of the same way when I'm in the middle of a big – you know build and training and so forth she knows that you know i'm tired and could be a little cranky and so forth so she's pretty pretty understanding uh through all of that definitely yeah that's cool um interested in elliot's perspective
1: on this he's in a similar or maybe even more intense i guess with his wife with uh, them both doing ironman triathlons this, uh, this year um but uh i have to admit that for me you know and, and even when I was kind of getting into the sport, uh, I was kind of trying to push my wife, and she's done a couple of duathlons, and um, you know, I, I was trying to push her into it a little bit. And um, uh, I have to admit that uh, I kind of realized after that that if uh, if she got really into it, it'd probably be taking away a little bit from my training abilities. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's interesting, and I think that uh, the the bonding and, and the ability to uh, to have you know that you're significant other can recognize and appreciate what you're doing but at the same time i think uh having a wife that doesn't train too much as long as she's on board can be more beneficial in, in some ways as well
2: yeah i totally Definitely. agree and i mean like steven said i mean she i think that your significant other has to understand the lifestyle and i i feel like becca my wife um really understands that and actually I mean you go through so many highs and lows throughout the year and I mean I have motivation issues sometimes she does as well and I think that since we're both in it we kind of motivate each other and I mean she's helped pick me up after a not so great race in Canada and I mean she's probably the reason why I'm still training right now so um, I think she's definitely helped out but it is uh, it was tough traveling together and doing her first Ironman, um, at the same time. And yeah, it it was kind of distracting at times, but I think overall, when you look at the big picture, it was a good experience for both of us.
1: Very cool. Nice. Well, shall we we talk about Steve's last race?
2: Steve's and yours. I really want to hear both of your guys' stories (laughs) because you guys both had amazing races. It seems like.
0: Uh, thanks yeah it was it was a um i don't know how colin feels about it as a whole but i'll say just as um i mean it was a, it was a great day i'm obviously very happy with my performance uh, but it was just it was just a weird day like from start to finish and we can we'll definitely get into more of the details but i think that's like the way i would describe it, it was just kind of like a weird a weird day in general i don't know colin can you do you th- do you feel that way at all yeah for sure i mean you know Every Ironman,
1: I think, has its, its highs and lows and so forth, and uh, I think this one was a little bit unique in what the challenges and the lows were were a little bit different than normal for me anyways, um, but then obviously, yeah, both uh, the results we both had uh, made it all worth it for sure.
2: So did you guys know before the race that the swim might be short, or was it kind of like a game-time decision, and did they have to make that decision last minute?
1: yeah so it was totally last minute uh i actually was waiting to take a last uh ported friday uh trip and um i kind of ran up um to steve and some of the other guys we were with uh and we were like getting ready like assuming we we're gonna jump in the water and he was like yeah they shortened the swim <laughs> and uh so we really you know there was talks of the strong current but i don't i didn't
0: hear anybody mention the potential a shortened swim did you steve no, I feel like, so I didn't really think about it, but um, I think a couple of things. So as Colin said, we were there with a bunch of people, friends, friends of friends and so forth. And one of them jumped in the, um, so the swim, I guess for everyone else to know too, just a little background. So the Swim in Ironman Louisville is in a river and the Ohio River, which is, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful river when you're flying over it from uh, coming in. It's nice and brown, just looks like a brown patch of water running down a river um but anyway uh so it goes it was supposed to go upstream a little bit around an island and then back downstream and one of the people we were with said there's a pretty good swimmer said it took him like 15 minutes to swim up three buoys in the practice swim and like two and a half minutes to swim back down or something like that but you know i didn't really think that it would be canceled because i knew last year the, the current was fast i had a fast swim for me last year but I guess what they were saying is at the start of the race, some of the pro men actually swam a little downriver to warm up and they literally had to be pulled back up river with, uh, with kayak. So I found out just kind of standing in line there. Um, they made the announcement that they're basically going to just send you down the stream 0.9 miles and, um, it was cold, it was raining. And so it just meant kind of like another half hour of standing around at, at the, uh, in the, in the swim line as a rolling start.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other factor here to mention, I mean, you said it was cold and rainy, but, uh, you know, I guess the the week before in Louisville, it had been, you know, high 80s, you know, warm weather. And uh, the whole time I got there on Thursday, uh, yeah, Thursday, and Steve got there Friday, but uh, it was like low 40s to to 50 degrees, like at the high. um, And uh, it was chilly and even rain the days leading up to the race. Um, So it was uh, definitely cooler. And, you know, we had an idea that was gonna happen, but uh it certainly uh played out and uh and that ended up being the conditions we were dealing with. So um the swim was for me anyways was pretty weird. I did uh I was hanging out with these guys and I said uh see you later and I jumped up in line and got a little bit further up ahead of these guys. I think Steve should have done the same, but uh we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and uh so, you know, I, I got in um and it was really it kind of a chaotic swim like you knew it was going to be super fast um but uh like there was a lot of uncertainty about like where we were going even though it was kind of straight down but there were some buoys that were moving around and uh it was it was just kind of you, you just didn't really i never felt confident i knew where i was going the, the whole swim you feel the same way steve
0: yeah it was actually so i'm pretty calm in the water um most things don't really bother me um but at one point they they try to send you out kind of in the middle of the river from the start and i remember just trying to swim out to the buoy and then just being like i'm not going to be able to get there and then just basically turning and heading down downstream pretty quickly and that's kind of when i first realized that man this water is really moving pretty quickly um So, yeah, a lot of it, there's weird buoys. No one really knew where they were going. The kayakers didn't really know how to help people. So the biggest thing that I I knew from the last year was to kind of head over to the swim exit early. So it may have actually slowed my swim time down a little bit because I wasn't in the fastest part of the river in the middle. I kind of started moving to the left early because I didn't want to overshoot the stairs that pick you up out of the Ohio river and end up, uh, down, down river and have to swim back or something crazy like that. So, um, but yeah, definitely a weird swim. And I think I swam like my garments had 52 seconds per hundred yards just to give people, um, a reference of how fast we were actually going.
2: Yeah. I think and, you guys both, uh, you guys are both sub one minute per hundred pace for that. Swim. Yep,
0: definitely. <laughs> I can do that in a pool with flippers and a dive probably <laughs> yeah, <how> about that <laughs> maybe yeah maybe
1: <laughs> so yeah so obviously the the swim was extremely short so uh um you know just uh under 14 minutes for uh for both of us there really quick um you know the faster times i see were like 13 minutes and the slow ones are like 15 minutes right i mean I've, Anyway, it was competitive, so I I don't think uh, the swim ended up pretty much being a non-factor. But at the same time, I'm glad that uh, much better that they actually let us swim and at least do something um, as opposed to just canceling the swim. So um, yeah,
0: I thought that was good. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think it's just for me too. It's uh, I would have been more disappointed if this was my first Ironman. Um, it still would be nice to do the, always when you're doing Iron Man, to do the full distance. But it's really just when you're in line, they make the announcement and you just have to make that like five second mental shift and say, all right, well, that's what cards we were dealt today and uh, just roll with it. You can't let it ruin the rest of your day. Um, it's also easier said to do that for me since the swim is my slowest of the three legs. But uh, either way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. So as we go out of the water, um it's kind of a, a little bit of a long transition you got to come up and out and uh head into the tents um yeah i was feeling pretty good again so short uh i did take the time to put compression socks on
2: uh, Steve that,
1: that i in compression socks <laughs> that is
2: very hard with uh when you're all wet too did that was that hard to put on
1: uh i really can do it pretty well Um, if you roll them up and then you really get them wide and and you just kind of leverage that and and really spread them out, uh, when you're putting them on, um, I really, I think I struggled a little bit with one of my feet, but, uh, it wasn't bad. Um, Well, you're going to have to do
2: a YouTube video or something so we can uh, show everyone how to do that.
1: All right. Deal. Uh, I did, however, struggle. So I did put arm warmers and gloves in my bag. And so I grabbed those as I was heading out uh, to grab my bike, and I started to try and put them on, and I was struggling to get them on. And by the time I got to my bike, I like didn't have either of them on, so I said, "All right, screw it," and I just threw uh, my arm warmers and my gloves just kind of near my bike and said, "I'll just deal with it here." So, um, yeah, that was a bold move. That was a very bold move, yes, for sure. Um, so what so,
2: were the, what were the temps like when you starting the bike? Was this, was it really cold?
0: Yeah. What was it? I'd say like, yeah, like 40, 46 to 48. And <sighs> at that point it was steady. Is was, there was a steady rain still at that point? It was not, it was and not it, ideal. 44,
1: 45 at that point. I think it was even a little bit cooler,
0: but, um,
1: yeah, so it was definitely chilly, but it was, and it was definitely raining. So, um, you know. Other than that, uh, I mean, that's something I look back at and certainly would have done differently and taken the the few seconds uh, to get those on or even maybe if it was a dozen seconds or so, but uh, that was the decision I made, so I went with it. Um, So got out on the bike and, uh, oh yeah, another thing that, uh, leading up to the race, so my SRM power meter had been shit in the bed for a couple weeks and I had actually taken that off and put one of my Stages power meters on there um, because it just flat out wasn't working. Um, and so I decided to, at least I thought my stages would work. And, uh, of course that was having problems the day before the race. And so I got out on the bike and, uh, it was, um, it, it was not working at all. So I tried real quick to, to catch it, pick it up, but, uh, it didn't work. So I just said, all right, you know, and I was kind of expecting that to potentially be an issue and just said i'm i'm going off feel and heart rate um so um so yeah so no power to start the bike as well um wasn't wasn't thrilled with that but uh um got out there and and the legs felt really good
0: and uh um that's where i was at as we started here steve how about you yeah, I think this is where I start feeling like when I mentioned earlier that it was kind of a weird day. Um, Colin mentioned the weather there. I, I did take the time to put uh, arm warmers and gloves on, and I put uh, booties on my shoes. They're kind of mostly on already, but like full-on booties. Um, so I started the bike. I felt, you know, fine. Um, the I guess the weird part for me is usually coming out relatively a little further behind the swim. I feel like I kind of passed a lot of the people that I would pass on the um, maybe the first few hours of the bike, I feel like I kind of got to where, like, uh, you're, you're with people of equal ability. You're not really passing people. You're not getting caught. I feel like I got there in like a, like a half an hour, which felt weird to me. And I ended up spending a lot of time in this race alone and didn't really know where I was, um, for, for a lot, a long part of the race. Um, but kind of jumping a little too far ahead there, but Colin said to the weather and this was, um, Probably the toughest part. I mean, you always have a mental battle in an Ironman. So, the first hour or so, I think maybe because of my background in skiing, I'm used to cold weather, used to bad weather. Um, I was pretty much okay. And then I remember being at like mile 30 or so, and it was still raining, maybe not as bad, but just wet you know about an hour hour and a half or so into the ride and just thinking like man i don't really know if i can do another 80 or 90 miles if this temperature keeps up if it keeps raining like this and that was the first time where i was almost a little like i want to say scared but a little concerned just about hey am i going to be able to to get this done today um i don't know colin if you i think you had a somewhat similar experience to that too at some point right
1: yeah. I mean, I think mine happened even sooner. Um, at like mile, I mean, excuse me, minute 45, like 45 minutes into the bike, I was kind of like, crap, I'm getting really cold here. And, uh, I was shivering pretty good. Um, you know, and I was just like, you know, I'll keep going. But, uh, I was starting to get real nervous cause obviously still a long ways to go. And, uh, you know, I was starting to shiver pretty bad. Um, you know, and as the the race progressed there, I was, you know, within, yeah, I'd say an hour and a half, like Steve's mentioned, you know, I was, uh, shivering so much that like my jaw was short, uh, was sore from, from shivering. And, uh, the descents were all pretty scary cause I was shaking so much. Um, and you know, I really, within that 75 to 90 minutes in, I was really
0: questioning whether I was going to be able to make it or not. Uh, yeah, I don't know it ran through your head, Colin, but I was like, well, if I stop, like, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. Like, I can stop at an A station, but, like, like I'm just going to get colder. Like, I'm I'm soaked. I'm, you know, right now I'm producing heat because I'm working hard on this bike. So part of me was just like, well, just really keep going until you can't was, was my uh, mantra. I don't think I ever got as bad as you did there, but I was just like, well, I can't really stop because I feel like I'm just going to get colder if I do stop. Yeah, I actually did not think about that. <laughs> uh,
1: that's that's definitely a valid point. Uh, I definitely used that time to think of my family and the sacrifices that uh, had been made for me to get to that point, and And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to, to back out and, and definitely use that as motivation at that point. Um, but, the, and so I guess race wise or position wise, you know, I was kind of cruising through people. Uh, I don't think anybody, there was a couple guys that, uh, I went back and forth with quite a bit on the bike, but, uh, there wasn't really anybody that passed me in the, the first half or so of the bike, but I think it was right around mile 50 or so. It's, it stopped raining and finally started to feel like, all right, you know, uh, I can, I can get through this and, uh, um, had now probably, 65 70 confidence that i could actually finish the bike ride um but uh but yeah that's that's where uh it kind of turned for me how about you steve
0: yeah i don't really remember exactly where but it definitely stopped raining at some point like you said so that definitely felt better i really remember thinking of that like that like what if i drop out that thing that i was just saying a few minutes ago um one time and then i kind of forgot about it to be honest i didn't really remember thinking oh i feel warmer now i i just i guess refocused on the race itself but yeah it definitely stopped raining and it definitely warmed up at some point there um and again for people not familiar with the louisville course it's basically um it's like a lollipop and you do the um the circle piece twice so as colin mentioned there is probably pretty much halfway where it stopped raining um, i guess and right at the start of the the second loop or so um the one thing I will say is I felt like my legs were more tired, like even at my like, 40, and I was a little concerned about that. And I think it was maybe just trying to keep my upper body, my chest warm, um, some little energy drain for my legs there. Because that was the kind of the second little mental hurdle. Like I said, you always go through mental hurdles in an Ironman.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I think that the cold and the shaking and things definitely you know, cause you use, use more energy and so forth. And, uh, that definitely was probably a factor there, but, uh, on the positive side, or it's interesting, as I've described this a little bit to people is, uh, I was probably the most miserable bike ride of my life, but at the same time that was probably my favorite bike course, um, that I've ridden. And so as Dee mentioned, you know, so you get to, actually, I guess you're at like, um, I forget what mile it is to that you get halfway through, but, uh, once I had gotten back around on the second loop there, um, you know, I'd seen the whole bike course. Uh, I just really, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it was, it's really, really rolly. Um, you know, it's a little over 5,000 feet of climbing, I believe, but, uh, there's no really like super steep, super slow climbs. Like you're always kind of moving at a decent clip and, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun, um, you know. Some pretty good scenery, and um, uh, I, I just really liked it. I mean, I remember Steve telling me, uh, "See, it done the race before." I hadn't, um, you know. What a great bike course it was, and I was kind of weary of that, to be honest. But uh, I really, uh, I really liked it. Now,
2: were and the, the how were, were the yeah. road conditions pretty well or pretty good too? Pretty smooth.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call them. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say solid really good um not like incredible all perfect but uh um pretty good um
0: no no really i can't remember any like terrible places at all yeah the beginning the little out and back there the first like 10 miles is pretty rough but after that it's 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 a pretty fast course in terms of pavement i would say the tough part um like we mentioned the second loop is there's a lot more traffic because there's people starting the first loop so you definitely have to be wary of people starting the second loop and there are cars on the course. So there are a couple of times where you know cars are coming at you or a car is actually going the same direction as the course and it's you know stuck behind someone slower. so that's the only downside to the course that I, um, that I found. Did you pass any cars, Steve? No <laughs> I
1: did. um did you draft any cars colin anything what's that
2: did you draft any cars
1: i did not draft any cars (laughs) didn't take and don't worry i yelled at them um as i passed um but uh yeah i did have a couple issues with uh cars being in the way and uh having to pass them so um
2: so you said your power meter wasn't working so did you go off of heart rate mostly or did you just go off of perceived effort
1: so it was, it was perceived effort, but definitely keeping an eye on my heart rate just to make sure I didn't go too high. Um, with the cooler conditions, it really wasn't much of an issue. Um, I felt like I kept it in check pretty well all day. But, uh, um, you know, yeah, it was it was primarily perceived rate of exertion with uh, definitely a hard, you know, look at my, at my heart rate. So... But both I feel Steve like
2: I, I feel like the majority or half of your races, your power meter is not working these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> been, I don't know, I, I'd say I'm still at least two out of three. It's working. For me. <laughs> There's been uh, a few that have had challenges. Uh, supposedly SRM yes, is fixed and it's on its way home, so hopefully that thing will be good to go moving forward. But uh, um, but both Steve and I, not only did the power meter issues, um, Steve ran and I guess. Well, yeah, I guess I'll take my challenge over his, but uh, what do you have going on, Steve?
0: Yeah, so um, at about mile, I don't know, maybe I to say like mile 90 or so, maybe 85, um, I just felt like I was like facing a weird direction. So I kind of, I just like looked down, and my handlebars were probably at like a 45 degree angle, tilted to the left compared to my front tire, <laughs> um, just meaning my stem came loose. Maybe it's from the, probably a combination, honestly, of, um, I definitely probably deserve a little blame myself for not tightening it enough um, prior to the race, even though I rode it a few times prior to the race and didn't think it was an issue. But I think the rain, and then uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's a couple bumps at the beginning of the course. So I don't know, but I, I looked down and I was like, oh, that's not good. So I made the decision that I needed to stop, um, which, again, there's always small little hurdles in Ironman. It's never fun stopping in a race, especially when you're biking, you know, 20, 24 miles an hour, however fast we were going. Um, so got off and put the front wheel between my legs and I kind of expected it to be like a little, you know, pretty hard to move the handlebars back. And they moved over with like zero effort back into, uh, back into place. And I was like, that's, that's not good. Um, so I basically got off, I think I got off a total of four times to, to fix it. And I finished the bike with my left hand in the arrow bar and my right hand on the bullhorns leaning to the right-hand side because uh, it was uh, pretty pretty crooked. So definitely not safe. And uh, if I were not as close to the finish as I was, I would have tried to find some support there. To I mean, all it was was an Allen wrench. It wouldn't have taken long. But a um, little frustrating. But, again, an Ironman's a long day, so you have to just keep going and not worry about it. Yeah. So how how long do you think it took you each time you had to get off? I don't know. Probably like an hour total. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I tried to do it in smart places, like at the top of Hills where I wasn't going as fast. I mean, I'm only off my bike for probably 10 or 15 seconds just to maybe just to, to correct it. But you know, the speeding up and slowing down, um, getting out of rhythm. So I don't know, maybe two, three minutes. I don't think a ton, but, um, a decent amount. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, so my fun was,
1: uh, I did kind of notice it seemed like it was slow making the change, but, uh, by mile 70, I was riding in the small ring for the rest of the race, um, where my DI2 would not shift into the big ring. Um, so I'm still, actually, my bike is still not put together, so I haven't tested it to see, uh. <laughs> what's, what's going on with it. But, um, I don't know if it was the rain. I mean, I definitely charged it overnight, uh, Thursday night when I got there, there's no reason that the battery should have run out. And the other interesting thing is, so, you know, I, or I guess I was in the the hardest gear a long time and, and very often, um, for the rest of the next 42 miles or whatever. But, um, it was, uh, it was shifting fine in the back and I never, you know, I started to get a little bit concerned that, okay, you know, maybe I'm running really low on battery and I'm going to run out of battery in the back as well. Um, but, uh, that never happened. So that seems kind of odd to me. I'm, I'm how many are you are supposed to get what, like 80, 90 shifts out of it? Is that yeah, right? A like hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did more than that. Um, when it's all said and done. And, um, so I'm, I'm interested in, um, you know, I've never never really had an issue like that where it's not been the battery or something, uh, but I just don't understand how the battery could have ran out that quickly. So that definitely caught, cost me some time. There was a few guys, actually, that were in my age group that uh, I was kind of going back and forth with and things, and when that happened, uh, they definitely took off on me, and I'm pretty confident I would have been able to, to at least hang with them and so forth. So I think it cost me a little bit, but uh, on the plus side, it, it definitely uh, – got my cadence going and uh or i guess i didn't have a power meter so i couldn't tell what my cadence was but uh <laughs> i was i was riding at a pretty high cadence for me for sure
2: so at the um, end of the at the end of the bike nothing on your bike was working <laughs> except for your <laughs> except for the engine
1: the were working. yeah Yeah. okay yeah <laughs> um yeah nah, no power no uh no like elec- no none of the electronics were working that's for sure
2: hey back <laughs> in the day no those guys didn't need that stuff, and they're still putting together good bike splits. So, yeah,
1: you, exactly. you proved it so, as well. Yeah, so I, I was happy. Uh, yeah, so just under four fifty-seven or whatever, sub-five for the bike, which was kind of a you know hopeful goal of mine. So,
0: uh, didn't achieve Stephen Stephen
2: uh, would have had the uh, course record if it hadn't been for his know. handlebars.
0: Yeah, four or four. Steve. I, don't, I think actually Starkey biked like a 410 there last year or something crazy, so only by a little bit. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I felt really good coming in off the bike.
1: Um, that's right, Steve. I don't know if we want to uh, talk about this too much, but uh, do you want to talk about another milestone about uh, your um, your ability to uh, lose uh, fluids uh, on the on the bike? Yeah, I, I did it three times. That's that's <laughs> all I got. So it's Steve, as, as much as I've ridiculed and tried to, uh, coach him on, um, relieving himself while on the bike, he has never done that in an Ironman. And I'm surprised that, uh, somebody at his speed and skill level and, you know, where he, he gets in races, uh, that he's, he's, you know, obviously it's achievable, but, uh, that he be willing to lose time to stop, to go to the bathroom and so forth. So, um, the rain I think helped, but, uh, hopefully we've, uh, we've made a man of Steve here and, uh, he's, you know,
0: successfully learned how to pee himself. Yeah. You just make me nervous. So, um, you know, that's the problem. I guess I'm finally just getting used to having you around. (laughs) That must be it. That must be it. So, um,
1: but, uh, the reason that came to mind is actually, I, uh, definitely felt, uh, a number two, pretty much most of the bike. And, um, i really don't like to stop ever in races and uh i uh i stopped in t2 and uh did take care of things um relatively quickly you know and uh i think it was or no doubt it was the the right move um and i felt a lot better um going into the run by uh getting everything out um, but that was something new for me uh in an ironman um so other than that, uh, T2 was pretty smooth for me. It is a little bit longer of a transition run, just like the swim. Um, but how did uh, your T2 go, Steve?
0: Well, first of all, I just want to congratulate you, Colin, on uh, your transition times because you did the exact same transition uh, time for both T1 and T2. So that's gotta be worth something right there. So right. I don't know if you knew that, but good work. Wow. Look at that. I did not
1: know that. So, um, yeah, I, I know. Uh, number T two, no pun intended, would have been a little faster if it wasn't for number two. Uh, so,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I remember just thinking like, um, whoever I hand my bike to, they're going to see my handlebars and they're like, dude, this kid is not safe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was like kind of my first thought. And um, again, in an Ironman, you never know. Like, I've run pretty well off the bike, even some last workouts where i was pretty tired um but you never really know how your legs are going to feel especially when you kind of try not to think about the fact that you have to run a marathon but you never really know how your legs are feel so first few steps you're kind of trying to gauge and be like all right am i okay am i am i am i not okay there um so i think i felt mostly okay i think i just a little cold still um but i think the weird part again like i said the weird race is like um, I biked like a five Oh four. The last year I biked under five hours. So I wasn't really sure. Like I wasn't super psyched with my, my bike split there. Um, and like I said, a couple of minutes were stopping. So it's probably relatively close, but, um, literally had no idea where I was in the race. Like, um, kind of retrospect thinking back to it. There weren't that many bikes in transition, which should have kind of cued me into it. But I guess you don't really see the transition bikes all that well, but, um, yeah, no, it was pretty quick. I, Um, pretty much all business there didn't have to go to the bathroom because I uh, did it before so that was big for me um and then the run basically starts like it's a long run around and I left transition with um I didn't really know where he came from didn't even see him on the bike the whole time um but uh a guy in my age group saw the 31 on his leg he was on the um EMJ team so um kind of had a nice little carrot starting off there but again had really no idea where I was um I don't know. I don't know. Did you ever feel like that, Colin? Like, I don't know where I am right now. I don't know how I'm doing. Like, I just, it was a weird day. There weren't that many people out there. There weren't many fans because the weather was bad. Um, so I just felt weird. I had no idea where I was. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I definitely had no
1: idea. I actually thought I was further back. I think I came off the, the bike fifth in my age group. Um, and I kind of assumed there had to be a group a little bit higher or ahead of me, you know, again, given the DI2 issues and, um, you know, the cold and everything I I felt like I probably honestly could have biked a little better if I, you know, a tower was in line and whatnot. But, uh, so I, I thought I was further back than I was, but, uh, I definitely wasn't concerned about that really because, um, definitely was out there to, to race my race. And, um, I think that, uh, that was that was definitely good and um, you know, by that point it wasn't raining I don't think at all. Um, you know, so it was just some nice cool temperatures and uh um it was fun being out there, like kinda of felt like a pro a little bit when there really wasn't many other athletes on the course. So, uh, you know, you're getting there was limited uh limited crowd support, you know, given the weather, but uh um you're definitely getting, you know, all the support and whatnot as you're heading out on the streets and uh, um, that
0: part was pretty cool yeah i'd say too again to give people an idea uh the louisville course is i think it's like a 200 feet of elevation so it's pretty much pancake flat and it's basically an out and back that you do twice um so it's a pretty um i don't know, i don't want to call it boring because it is somewhat interesting but it's just a pretty standard course there's not a whole lot of strategy to like thinking of pacing yourself s- differently for hills like maybe something like lake placid you'd have to worry about or a hillier Iron Man. Yep. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I was actually surprised a little
1: bit. Um, there's no doubt I would describe this no other way than flat, but uh, there is a couple points where you're going up and down and then there's kind of before the turnaround, it's kind of a uh, false flat. Um, so, you, you know, you turn around, you do it both ways, so you get, it evens out. But um, there was points where, you know, it was definitely not, you know, kind of pancake flat. Um, but, you know, you can't, like I said, describe it any other way than, than being really flat, especially when you compare it to most of the courses I've ran and things like that um, in other Ironmans and so forth. So, um, so yeah, it's, yeah.
0: Not, it's not like Maryland quite. Not that I've done Maryland, but it's a little hillier than that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. So, um, so yeah.
1: Elliot, were you tracking uh, tracking us out at that point or what?
2: Yeah, well, I wish I knew Steven was racing. Well, actually, I was tracking Steven because he's in my age group, and I always <laughs> yeah, track my right. age group. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you guys were super steady the entire – I mean, seemed like most of the run you held pace really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, so, you know, I definitely – kind of had a an inside goal uh I've never you know run sub 3 in an Ironman and uh felt like this was going to be my opportunity to do it um but at the same time I I went out at like 640 645 I think um 650ish for the first um quite a few miles and you know felt quite comfortable and uh you know, again, was feeling really good on the, um, going out on the run. And uh, the first, pretty much the whole first loop felt pretty comfortable and was all right within that pace. And um, everything was, was going really good through the, through the first lap, the only thing that that happened, um, or actually one other thing I forgot to mention on the bike is uh, so I carry all my own nutrition stuff, um, or I I do rely on on the water from the aid stations, but I bring my own scratch um, and I put it in these little canisters, um, and then I pour those into my my uh, aero bottle um, as I go, and so I actually have two bento boxes on my bike, and so I put one kind of more nutritional place up near the stem and then i have one that i connect to my um to my seat post and um so in the past i had had issues with like my legs i'd tape gels to the top of my um seat tube and um i would or talk tube, excuse me and um i would have rubbing issues where the gels would rub up against my legs and they'd cut my legs and and they'd bleed and um so i tried a different bento box and setup, and uh it ended up being worse. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the white X law X lab logo was red by the end of the bike. And, um, I was definitely bleeding, um, pretty good as I was, uh, heading out. It really never hurt too much, but, uh, uh, the aftermath definitely played, played with me and, uh, still have some pretty nice, I'm going to have some good scars from that. Um, but it was funny. I passed the, um, I think she ended up winning the, the gal that was the first female, uh, as I was passing her, I was like, Oh, good job. And she's like, uh, you know, you're bleeding, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, um, you know, whatever. But, uh, so that kind of carried on, you know, throughout the race and that wasn't, but I really wasn't thinking about that very much. It wasn't affecting me too much. Um, uh, but what did just dis- disappoint me is that when I got to the halfway point. Uh I saw a couple of my clients slash friends in the stands that were racing, uh that had unfortunately DNF'd on the bike and uh I was pretty bummed to uh to see them uh not out there on the course. You know, I was a bit surprised. I was kinda of looking for them as I was heading back in, um, off the you know, for the to finish the first loop, but uh, uh when I hadn't seen them I kinda of had my suspicions. But uh when they confirmed that by being in the crowd I was uh,
0: I was a bit bummed by that for sure. Um, Yeah, I felt the same thing too. Um, It was kind of weird because like even at half marathon into an Ironman, you're starting to get a little weird uh, um, like mentally wise. Um, So it was almost like kind of confusing. I got there and I saw a bunch of our our friends, people that we were racing with and was pretty bummed out. I actually saw another one of our friends on the bike course um, who ended up um, having to drop out due to hypothermia at like mile, like, 30 and i saw him on the second loop of the the loop and he was stuck out there for like three and a half hours so i was like that i didn't know that so i was like was he ahead of me like how why is he what's going on um so yeah it kind of felt like colin said too and again that's kind of what another thing that kind of made the day pretty pretty weird yeah totally um, yeah I- it, quickly too yeah so i Pretty much exactly what Colin said, starting the run. I started off a little slower, like um, between basically like 7 and 7.10, super easy because it's relatively flat to run pretty consistent splits. And I'd say the first eight miles, I was like, wow, this feels great. Um, After eight miles, that was the first time I was like, okay, long way to go, starting to get a little tired. But um, even up to the halfway point, like Colin said, I was feeling good. I think I ran like a one thirty two, one thirty three for the first half. And then as Colin said, we saw our friends there and that's the first time that I got a split um during during the race. Um the like one time where I finally like figured out where I was. Although like Colin said, there wasn't an out and back, so I had a pretty good idea um, that was near the front. But there were male pros there, female pros there, so it's hard to differentiate, you know, between who's a pro and who's an age group athlete. But it was also nice seeing Colin out there a couple times, a little extra motivation to see your friend, your coach out there, um, you know, giving each other a high five, a little mental boost there.
1: Definitely. Yeah, and I guess the one other thing for me. Um, Is I knew there was a couple guys in my age group that were out in front of me that I had been riding with a bit, and uh, I did pass um, three of those guys um, by the by the halfway point. You know, two of them kind of early on, within the first couple miles, and then the last one um, by like mile eleven or twelve. So once I did that, I felt pretty confident that I was in a good spot um and then there was one other age grouper that was out in front of me well two but uh one that i could see for a while and uh definitely was my goal to to catch him and uh when i did pass him i kind of asked him if he knew what place he was in or whatever and he had said that someone had told him he thought he was the second age grouper so when i heard that uh definitely made me feel confident that uh, i'm in a place to to qualify you know and uh and, and do well in my age group. So, um, from there for me, it was really just, just holding on. Um, I guess I'll, I'll use this opportunity to mention that I, I did run in the Nike, uh, uh, four percents. Um, and, uh, that was the first time doing that. And, uh, I must say for me, they, they really seem to be the real deal. Um, they, you know, they, so the, the big thing with them is they have like a, little carbon plate inside the sole there that kind of supposedly gives you a little bit of bounce and, uh, can really boost you a little bit. So, um, you know, a lot of the top marathoners are, are wearing that or using them these days if you're not familiar. Um, but, uh, they, it really felt like as I started to fatigue a little bit, that my pace was really still holding pretty well. And, uh, it wasn't till about mile 22 that I really started to fade and fatigue. And, um, I did end up having uh, a couple, what was it, like, I don't have in front of me, 7.10 or something I think was my slowest mile. Um, so I started to fade a little, but uh, did pick it up the end. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I guess uh, for me it was it was really good. I ended up running uh, 258 and uh, ended
0: up being the uh, second overall age grouper
1: nice
2: very
0: impressive um, yeah I did not run a vapor flies so that was probably <laughs> the second hour that I lost there so um uh, that's a total of two hours now that I'm, that I'm lost in the in the race because of uh, equipment failures yeah it would have been a, a 635 winner was 734 so yeah probably about an hour win uh for me there if I had those things go right for me <laughs> but um no so as like I mentioned um seeing our, our friends, that was the one split I got, and they told me I was first in my age group five minutes up, and I, like, kind of heard it, but didn't, like, actually, um, I don't know, internalize it, so I, you know, like, what? And they're like, first in your age group five minutes up, and I was like, oh, man, and, like, it's exciting, but it's also, like, kind of scary, like, don't mess this up. Um, right. And you still have, like, 13 miles to runs, and at the end of an Ironman, 13 miles is still a long way to go. Um, so I kind of made the... Somewhat conscious effort to slow down a little bit um, on purpose, which was a little difficult to do because I was still feeling pretty well. So I purposely slowed down to 715s or so. Um, like trying to do math in my head. I'm like, all right, so how fast do I have to run? Like, how fast would someone have to run over 13 miles to catch me? And I couldn't really actually figure it out, but I was like, they probably have to run like 630, 640 pace. So I figured I'd be okay slowing down a little bit. I just really didn't want to bonk at mile 20 or 22 or anything like that um, so while like 20 to 26 hurt a lot I think I could have made them hurt a lot more but I was being a little conservative because um, I was just didn't want to do anything silly because I didn't I didn't need to so um, I think my second half split was like um, 134 135 so it wasn't a, a, a huge difference but it was a little bit slower. So, yeah, so you ended up where, Steve? Yeah, so I ended up winning my age group. No one caught me. I actually ran – I actually made up seven minutes on everyone else in my age group in the second half. So um, that was exciting. Um, And I think I was the eighth um, age group athlete there. The other thing I would say, too, is the finish in Louisville is really cool. Um, It's the 4th Street Live. There's a band. There's a bunch of people there. Um, It's kind of like there's a bunch of music. And last year, I didn't really know where I was at all in the race, so I sprinted really hard and kind of blacked out and didn't really remember it. So this year, kind of knowing where I was, I slowed down a little bit. I uh, gave some high fives to the crowd and then tried to enjoy the moment a little bit of um, you know winning winning my age group and having a, a good day and having that day be over also. <laughs> yeah. And winning by over 12 minutes in your age group, huh? Yeah. Um, like I said, I wasn't really... I, I don't know i wasn't really i guess i wasn't expecting um that i was a little surprised i wasn't first i didn't i knew there were some pretty good people in my age group racing 30 to 34 tends to be tough but uh i think it was just the conditions were good for me i'm used to this weather you know didn't really get mentally down for the most part during the day and just was pretty consistent all day um so i was really happy with my effort yeah
1: you should be man um and st- and so I should also say so I was a second age group, but I was second in my age group, so I did not win my age group like yeah. Mr. Bargo did. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll
0: throw yeah. that right out there. <laughs> yeah, so my award's bigger, so I was giving Colin crap about that, um, since since the race. Also I'd say that um Iron Man um, had the awards the next day literally under a bridge down by the Ohio River because <laughs> so it was raining. And um, it's a little uh frustrating. It's like come on we pay a lot of money for this race you couldn't spend 200 bucks for a conference room for two hours or however much a conference room is but yeah so we were under like the highway like big semi trucks were going by over us it was raining out it was still 40 degrees um but uh still worth it to go up there and uh for i'm sure colin feels the same way to get your award and to to get our Kona slots yeah
1: and, and quite possibly the fastest especially Ironman awards ceremony i've ever seen
0: Yeah, it was, was like, it was too fast, which we were excited about at first because we thought it would just help us go through the roll-down faster, but then they finished, and there was, like, an hour to go until, like, the scheduled roll-down starts. so we figured they would just do it, but no, they just made us wait. But, yeah, they were, like, they would call your name, and then they'd be into, like, another age group, like, immediately after. Yeah, it was pretty fun. But yes, both Steve and I
1: punched our tickets to 2019 Ironman World Championships.
2: Well, congrats to both of you, and send me pictures of your uh, your award because I want to post that on the on the uh, on our blog when we post this episode.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll have
1: to do uh, Steve's there since it's bigger than mine. Yeah,
2: compare and contrast.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I've actually already lost my award, so we're definitely going to have to go with his. Nice.
0: Uh, but 17 minutes. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that's still only an hour and 43 minutes after all the technical problems I had, so I'm going to get too cocky about that. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, yes,
1: uh both of us I certainly couldn't have been happier with how things went uh sadly I will say you know that made the swim being short a little bit more disappointing to me than if it you know prior to the race because uh you know I still have the lifelong goal of going sub nine in Ironman and uh I think uh I think I probably would have done it uh who knows never uh can't can't know for now for sure but uh um opportunity missed to, to try and go sub nine. So, uh, uh, I'll have to, uh, have to do another
0: one to, uh, get another crack at that. Uh, yeah. It's tough not being able to PR in a day where you feel like you could have PR, but, um, I don't know. You'll obviously we'll take it. Yeah,
1: no doubt. So cool. Um, yeah, good to be home. Take a little bit of downtime and, uh, catch up with the fam and do some things around the house that need to be done and so forth. And, uh, but, uh, definitely excited. And, uh, back to, our doing some cyclocross and, uh, having some fun in the out season here.
0: Yeah. Red Sox watching Red Sox.
1: Well,
2: I'm jealous yeah, right. of you guys. Very jealous of you guys.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs>
1: well, um, Yes, the Red Sox are the world champions, and that is very, very good news, and uh, that will not uh, be affecting sleep anymore, which could be even better news at this point. (laughs) Didn't (laughs) that game, the the game the
2: other night got over at 4 4 a.m. your time?
0: Almost. did did you
2: guys stay up for any of that, or?
0: I made it to the 10th that night. It was like (laughs) 1 o'clock.
1: I did not. I woke up and uh, did catch some of it, but... uh, um, no, I, I missed most of that one. I will admit. I'll
2: well, uh, 4 a.m. is usually the time you wake up, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. So no, I did catch up, uh, and was able to see that <laughs> the game pretty much just ended, um, which was crazy, but, uh, yeah. Well, it looks like we had a long one here, so, uh, we should probably, uh, save our listeners here a little bit. Yep. <laughs> um, but, uh, it all good stuff. Yeah, thanks congrats to for both
2: of
0: you. Being on, thanks uh, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: We'll uh, we will be uh, doing uh, interviews in Kona this year, so maybe
0: if you're lucky, we'll uh, we'll interview you again. All right, I'll look forward to it. I'll get my uh, agent on it. We'll get the uh, the fee for it next we'll talk time. To people first, you know, Make <laughs> yeah. sure yeah yeah the time in your schedule. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: cool. Ellie, you got anything to add?
2: Nope, just hope to join you guys. And just, I I need to move and get back on a schedule so I can start training again.
1: Yeah, it's coming. So you're moving at the end of the week here, right? Yep. Mostly your wife's already there, most of the way already down. Yeah, my
2: bikes and most of my running shoes and everything's over there. So I'm really anxious to get back.
0: Nice. Do you have a, uh, a race planned for the spring, Elliot?
2: uh not yet i need to think about that but i just i need to get there and get settled down first and then yeah we'll
1: start a lot of other stuff going on yeah
2: <laughs> it's been pretty stressful the last couple months
1: moving is no joke yeah and buying a house all that fun stuff so uh, cool with that uh thank you very much everybody thanks again steve and uh we'll talk again soon thanks guys